0: Hey, hey! It's so good to have you in the house with us. And uh, you know, I was I was just telling the other services that I love family. Absolutely love family. Sal and I, uh, you know, five kids, nine grandkids and our house is like grand central station and it's like there's always at least one family over and if not all of them and uh we love it it makes the house dirty makes the budget go lean it makes you know everything is a mess but isn't that family and when i look around here and i think about god's house that's what that's this is it's just god's house and we are the church God's family. The Bible says where where the stalls are dirty, the oxen are working. I love church. It's never perfect. It never goes everything right, but it's us getting together. And it's kind of like, you know, some families can always bring someone along. Uh, and, and that's what, like God's house. You know, bring as many friends as you want. He doesn't care. There's room for whoever. And, and then we just love and encourage. It's not a place of, of judgment and shooting the wounded. It's, not a pla- it's a place of, come on, you can do it again. And I, that's why I love Sunday. That's why I love church. And it's all during the week from all the courses. But, but welcome to Springs. And uh, when we start years ago, God convicted me about not praying publicly for our leaders Timothy says, if you'll pray for leaders, that is when you will see peace, prosperity, and you're to pray for leaders. Who's your boss at work? Who's the premier of your province? Who's the mayor of your city? Who's the prime minister of your country? We should be praying for leaders, and that gets God on the scene. So Join me, and let's pray right now before I start for leaders. Father, I thank you for Canada, that I love Canada. We all love Canada. We want a Canada that our kids are going to grow strong in, have opportunity in, a land of freedom from sea to sea. Father, we stand on guard through our prayer, our actions. We ask for leaders after your own heart who will stand for freedom, stand for justice, stand for freedom of speech, stand for the whole truth and nothing but the truth. And Father, we pray right now for business leaders. We pray for government leaders. We pray, Father, for healthcare leaders. We pray, Father, for every area from education to arts, entertainment, the church. We ask for leaders who will lead with a servant's heart, who will even lay their lives on the line in their careers and stand strong for truth. Father, give us leaders like that. And Father, bless our leaders wherever they are. Keep them healthy and whole. Father, keep them strong. And Father, wherever a leader won't follow and remove them, and put someone who will. Father, we ask you for a great Canada. We declare that in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. and amen. I was doing a message like this a few years ago, and sitting a few rows back was a guy who had never been to church. He, you could tell a friend had invited him, he was like a deer in the headlights, and, and we get so many of that, and we love that. And uh, so anyway, I'm talking about what the gospel is. You know, like you heard a little bit from Pastor Zach, we love you and accept you the way you are. You know we value you and etc. So I'm, I'm I'm talking and going through this, and this guy sees people talking back to me, and they're going, "Yeah, Amen, preach it." So he thinks this is cool. So he's loving the message. So out loud, he uses a word we normally don't use, like the F word, and it was F. Yeah, and he did it six or seven more times during the service and what i love about it was that nobody turned around and shushed him nobody gave him the evil eye he was just a guy who was hearing a message about jesus and he was so excited he had to respond back if you've been around me for any length of time you know i hate religion what's religion religion is a bunch of man-made rules religion is uh you know, us judging one another and finding fault with one another and comparing myself to you and us comparing ourselves to each other and, and all this junk that religion brings. And we're not talking about religion. We're not. We're talking about relationship. Well, what's the difference? Well, you know, in your marriage, if you just get up in the morning and say, good morning, wife, and then you walk to the breakfast table and thank you for breakfast, and then you go to work and you both come home and is did you have a good day? I did. Did you have a good day? Yes. Good to see you. Good to see you too. And then you go to Men at bedtime. How are you today? How, good. You ready for bed? I'm. Ready. And it's just the same verbatim thing every day, for weeks. Then you've been married for months. Then you've been married for years. Then you've been married for decades. That's religion. You just go through a routine that you think you need to do to do the bare minimum. A relationship is learning about each other, growing in each other, forgiving each other, surprising each other, trying to think of ways to bless each other. And and so when I talk today about religion and serving Jesus, I hope you get these two worked out. I hate religion. Doesn't work, turns people off. As I travel around the world and, and train pastors, and I've worked with so many different denominations, I notice that the gospel is often not correctly presented. So much of the message of churches today is that, you know, if you've got sin in your life, you'd better get that forgiven. you gotta better get that put under the blood. It's an affront to God. God's displeased with you. And if you don't do that, the blessing of God's not going to be on your life. And, 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 and this is how they teach. And so everybody's in a state of constant check, 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 check yourself, check yourself, check yourself, check yourself, check yourself. Is there sin in my life? Is there sin in my life? And so it's awful and and people come to church and no wonder no one likes to go to church because you know we judge ourselves that way and then we judge anybody else that way if we see a problem in their life oh you better get that right with god and 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 this talk creates such a divide as though god he's got a list and he's like santa claus you're gonna get coal in your life and he's checking it twice and you have fallen short Religion will do that to you. Church will do that to you. But that's not the gospel. You know, when I was a, a teenager, I, I loved God. And, but in my, when I turned about 17, something took place in my life. As I began to look around at some of my friends who have been died and overdosed and killed and, and maimed and paralyzed and in and, and the partying, and, and I just realized how good it was serving God. and I just got turned on for God. And I remember first trying to pray. I hated praying. I'm just going to be honest with you. Usually I am. I'd get on my knees and start to pray. And right away, it felt like Holy Spirit was making a list of my sins. I lied to my teacher, and I was disrespectful to my mom. And and, you know, I promised my dad I'd do this, and I didn't do it. and, And I had some bad thoughts about this over there. And so I'm trying to pray and talk to God. But I'm sure it's Him doing this to me. Leon, like a big old chalkboard in my head, writing down all these sins. And so I, I knew that I had to get right with God. I got to get right out of the blood of Jesus Christ. I got to repent. I got to, or whatever I got to do, I don't know. There's different theories in different places. And so I'm just trying to... And then, and then by the time I got done repenting of all my sins and whatever I felt I had to do, it was like, uh, I'd get up. Prayer was a drudgery. Prayer was brutal. Prayer for me was, was bad. But then I found out in my research that it wasn't true. I was taught that if you didn't get a miracle, something you did wrong. Sin in your life somewhere. That's how I was taught. And so you're just like, you know, if something didn't happen, I didn't even want anybody to know I didn't have an answer to prayer. they're going to go, ooh, we better look at Leon's life under a microscope. What is it? and i began to find out that if i didn't get a miracle it wasn't because i did something wrong it's so quiet and here's a new thought for somebody else too and so i found out that holy spirit's job i thought was to convict me of sin but i was born again and that wasn't his job see the bible says in john that holy spirit does three things. He convinces the world of sin. Then he convinces you of righteousness. Then he convinces you of judgment. What does that mean? Well, the Bible tells us the one sin that you can go to hell for. And it says, for not believing on Jesus. That's it. That's How when we receive Christ as our Savior and He comes into our heart, now you are born again. You are a follower of Jesus Christ. Now the Holy Spirit's role goes to step number two. And what's that? His job before you gave your life to Christ was to convince you you couldn't do it without Him. But now that you've got Him, His job is to convince you you're righteous that God is pleased with you, that He's in love with you, that He sees you through the sacrifice of Jesus, that His power has been given to you and whatever you couldn't do before, deal with sin or addictions or stuff, His power was given to you to, to, to win, to rise up. And when I begin to see this, It absolutely changed my life. And the teaching that began to help me as I looked into God's word was the teaching of grace and faith. When you learn to harmonize, which is very easy, grace and faith, you begin to walk in miracles. That is where miracles happen in our life. But for every mile of truth, there's two miles of ditch. So the grace people on one side who didn't think about faith, it's all God's grace. God does it all. God is sovereign. God is in control of everything. That's a wrong doctrine. We know God's in control of things. We know, for example, through the study of scripture that at the end of this age Satan doesn't win. There's not he's not going to win. He already knows he loses. God's in control of that. Okay? But God is not in ultimate control of you. He gave you that control and that freedom to do whatever you want, say whatever you want, make any decision you want. You can choose Him, reject Him, and this freedom He will not violate. But yet, church people, you know, it's like, they say things like, well, it happens; so it's God's will. Yeah, but everybody died in that wreck. God's will? Really? Uh, friend got raped. God's will. Well, how do you know it's God's will? It happened. God's sovereign. He's in control. If it happened, it's God's will. Now, by the way, it's a ridiculous doctrine, but the majority of churches, they, will, they would fight me. When, it, when this message goes out there, I'll get letters from pastors saying, you can't say God is not sovereign. Oh, I know God is sovereign. Sovereign means all-powerful. God's all-powerful. But He has given His word to man that He puts you in charge of your life. He's given it to you. He will not force you. He will not make you, uh, etc. And so the people in the ditch on one side, God is sovereign. He's in control. If it happened, it's His will. Now, that's such a lazy way to believe that you don't have to do anything. Now, the Bible says if you'll submit to God and resist the devil... That those things will run. You'll walk in victory. So where does that fit into this? Why would you resist the storm when God's in the storm? God's okayed the storm. God's will is the storm. Don't even go see a doctor. you screwed. Your business is going bankrupt, everything's going bad, everything's going downhill, but God is sovereign, and if it's happening, God's in control. So why would you go see a bank or get somebody else to invest in you or get a partner to, to drive some money in it? you going down because it looks like that's God's will. God is sovereign. Hope you can see it's a ridiculous doctrine because you're told to resist the devil and you're told to submit to God. So grace by itself doesn't work. Now, then they got people on the faith side. They're in the ditch on the other side of this. And it's like everything's about faith. And so it's got so many confessions, and you got to read so many times, and it's, you gotta, you, know, you got to be good, you got to do all these things. And uh, they are so into works, they don't understand grace. The two have never come together. We had a lady in my dad's church. No one knows her here, so I can talk freely not going to give you her name, but I remember one time um, we were doing a, a worship and miracles night and, and uh, she was so proud of her humility. And uh, she just knew that she was the holiest, cleanest, most wonderful thing in the church. And, uh, and, and she loved, she thought she was a church cop. If she could see something in you, she'd confront you, tell you where you fall short and what she'd seen you do and how she'd seen you act and you were out of love and da 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 da, da. And so she was a real pain to work with. But I tell you the story. In this healing service, she was standing at the front with a whole lot of people and, and standing beside her was a young lady who was fairly new to our church, new to the things of God, who'd found out that healing is not about how good you live, it's about who you believe. And that healing is a gift just like salvation is a gift. And that if you believe on Jesus and his perfect life, his sacrifice, and what he did, you just believe in this grace that it just flows into your life. So we taught on that, and we went to pray for people, and I prayed for her, and they both had the same problem. Both of them had a destroyed shoulder joint. And uh, she had it in an accident, and I think the other lady, she had it, I'm not sure what it was, rheumatoid arthritis, or something. But neither of them could lift their hand over their uh Up over there kind of like this had this kind of an action that was about it so i laid my hands on the first one and and just prayed a three second prayer and her hand went straight up in the air completely restored she was swinging it moving it around her friends were all in shock because the doctor said that that the sock was destroyed she'd never have it it was completely restored well the next lady you know you could just see her looking like this and and she knows she'll get it too and because she's earned it Prayed for her. It was like laying my hands on a dead fish. Just, and I prayed a little longer and, and nothing. So I just kept going. And before the service ended that night, she wanted to talk to me. I cannot understand why that woman got healed, why I happen to know a few things in her life that aren't right. And she gave me the list. This and this and this and I've been in this church faithfully I've gone door to door I've been teaching so she went gave her us of of how good she was I tried to explain to her grace that you don't put faith in your own works you put your faith in Jesus works and that's what grace is. But I couldn't explain it to her. I never saw that woman get a miracle anytime that she believed for anything uh, in my dad's church. Uh, but then you couldn't separate her from the attitude that she was holy and she was so good and better than most people and she'd earned it. It was always like, look how much she's doing. And that's what I've noticed is that you have to understand that this, this marriage of, of grace and faith is something that because of Jesus taking your sin. Dying on the cross. He took your and my curse. He took our judgment. And he went to hell in our place. There's nothing left that he has to take in exchange. He exchanges my awful future for his stunning future. And the Bible says, believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, Jesus and the miracle is yours. You become born again. And so we have to really understand that until we come to this realization of the finished work of Jesus, you'll never get miracles to work. No, you'll get the occasional one. It'll be enough to tease you and you'll think whatever you did there. Well, I remember I ate at the Salisbury first. So if I go eat at the Salisbury and I remember that I had so-and-so pray, I'm going to phone them up. Like we think there's some kind of a formula to this. But the miraculous is for you and I as easy as pie because Jesus said that my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He said to you and I that that you're going to do the things that I do in the book of John. He said that, they go therefore, lay your hands upon the sick. He talked about the power of God working in your marriages, your homes, your finances. When you learn how quick and easy it is to harmonize your faith in grace and bring them together, the power of Jesus, it just flows. You'll restore relationships. Your heart can be healed from brokenness, the things that are tempting you off track, the addictions you could never break, just the depression, the unhappiness, the, the disease whatever is going on when the when when faith and grace harmonize and I'm going to show it to you in a minute the miraculous just begins to flow and his grace begins to move in every area of your life and this is something I want you to understand today because there are Christians who may have been Christians for years so many people will tell me I've never seen a miracle I'm going well are you born again that's a miracle Well, I know, but I mean, you know, like a healing, or I had a prayer and I got an answer. And I hear this all the time. And as I work with pastors around the world, I mean, there's incredible pockets of phenomenal things going on, but just pockets of it. And then most Christianity is just another religion with a code of conduct that you should obey to be in that religion. No difference in all the other world religions. But Jesus taught us, That he would be with us first Corinthians 12 teaches us in verse 7 that the Holy Spirit wants to manifest himself through your life and he means the gifts of the Spirit it talks about healings and showing you things you could never know on your own he'll guide you and help you figure things out and know what others are doing if they're coming against you literally the nine gifts of the Spirit were designed to flow in your life through you to others but if you think God is sovereign and it's all in the ditch on one side it's all grace then it's not gonna work for you And if you think it's all faith in your own actions faith in your own things that you do you will not get anything to happen but if you find out and you begin to realize that God is no respecter of persons you see some people think when they don't get an answer to prayer they just begin to believe that well there's something that I didn't do but every person has the same opportunity from God. The same grace, the same faith, the same righteousness, the same Holy Spirit. He is not giving anybody more than another person. Another teaching that really messed people up was special anointings. Uh, he just has a special anointing for money, and he's got a special anointing for help, and he's got a special anointing for this. That, that's, that's not Biblical. In the Old Testament, under the Old Covenant, maybe. But in the New Covenant, it, here's what it says in Romans 2.11. For God judges all people in the same way. There is no partiality with God. All people have had their sins forgiven. Okay? And so every miracle has been given to every person. It's theirs. Titus 2.11. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all all people. And that word salvation doesn't mean just saved from hell. It's saved from sickness, saved from disease, saved from poverty, saved from from, from all of the, of, of the curse of the law. In 1 John 2 2, it says, he died in our place to take away our sins. It says here, his death pays the penalty. And it says, and not only our sins, but the sins of all people in the whole world. Now let me just Clarify that for a minute. God did not look down and go, well, let's see who we're going to heal today. Those three, no, no, no. Yep, yep, nope, nope. In fact, I'm going to freak somebody out. But let me help you out with the Bible. God has not healed anybody in 2,000 years. What do you mean by that, Leon? I mean, begging and bugging and pleading with him isn't, the New Testament way to receive a miracle. He, it says, in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 2, 3, 4, has given you all things that pertain to life. He's given you all that you need. Just speak to it. It's something that freaks people out. Well, don't we pray? Yes, prayer is communication with God. Prayer is spending time with God. We need to meditate and get into His Word. But 2,000 years ago when He died, He died for all your sins Even the ones you haven't committed yet. Don't tell my son that, Pastor. He's going to go do stuff. I don't think he needs much help. But 2,000 years ago when he died for your sins, how many were in the future? All of them. And he died for them. And so when you understand that not only did Jesus on the cross die for all your sins from the day you were born till the day you die. He died for them all. Then he took all your sicknesses, all of them. So you have cancer right now? He took that. If you have diabetes, he took that. If you have a skin condition, he took that. If you have damage from an accident to some part of your body, he took that and he has given you all of the promises and all of the healings. The Bible says in the Old Testament, every promise had an if. If my people will humble themselves and call upon my name. But in the New Testament, it says all the promises are in him, Christ, yes, and amen. Signed, sealed, and delivered. As he is Jesus, so are we in this world. And so this New Testament, this new covenant that we have, it shocks people so much that it's a stumbling block repeatedly in the Old Testament and in the New. It said what Jesus did was so good that people don't believe it. They stumble. They're offended. They're going, there's no way like this one older lady who was upset that God would heal the younger lady. Like, I mean, why won't He... She just can't believe it. It's just simple trusting and asking and believing Jesus for it. She's sure that her 30 years of service is worth and qualifies the miracle. And she can't seem to get your self-righteousness brings nothing. Now, should we do good works? Yeah, your spouse would like that. See, people think that if you do something wrong that you have disqualified from God. But he died for all those 2,000 years ago. And so when you you begin to walk through the doctrines of the new covenant, the vertical relationship, the cross is really interesting. If if you see a cross up here, the, the, the beam pointing towards the sky in my mind represents your relationship with God. Now, That relationship with God, once you are born again, is secured by Jesus. By His perfect life. By what He did for you and I. And so, when I mess up, when you mess up, the relationship between you and God is secure. But not with the bank you stole from. (laughs) That's your horizontal relationship. The arms of that cross point sideways to all of your relationships. The reason the Bible wants you to clean up your life is because you won't know joy if you keep stealing from your friends. You won't know peace and blessing if you keep messing around on your spouse. You're not going to know what friendship is in this world if you're going to be an arrogant person who puts down people all of these beautiful teachings of the bible help you to have family and marriage and friendships no one's going to do business with you if you're condescending and it's not a win-win take a look at the bible all of this teaching wasn't here because it's really hard to please god it's really hard to get blessed by god no it's one issue one issue believe on the lord jesus christ and that relationship between you and God is good. Now Holy Spirit is going to empower you with His grace. Now what is God's grace? It's His ability. And it's come to you as a favor. His ability coming to you as a favor. Not coming to you because you earned it. And it's not taken away because you discerned it. Here's where Christians have been taught so wrong. They're so full of doctrine that they can't get miracles and they can't see the favor and the blessing of God in their life because they've got all this, this wrong doctrine. And it's time for us to, you need to spend some time here and get in the Word and go to some of our courses and get that old garbage cleaned out so that you realize you are blessed because of what Jesus did. And Jesus is never going to screw up. So you're blessed. You see, if I am looking after your monthly subscription or payment for you to enjoy a golf club, let's say it's $40,000 a year for this prestigious golf club, and so I want you to go, so I'm paying for it. Well, it doesn't matter how your finances go. It doesn't matter what goes on. I'm the one paying for it. Now, if I go down, you're in trouble, which is why Jesus is the one who paid for this for you and I. On the cross, He took your sin. Then He took the curse. Then He went to hell in your place. Then He rose again with new life and gave it to you. And this new life that you have, which is filled with grace, miracles, joy, and peace, isn't yours because you are good enough. It is yours because you simply believe. So God is no respecter of persons. Grace of God has appeared bringing salvation to all people. God is not taking the sins, the things you've done wrong, and right now crossing His arms and cut you off. You're cut off. No more peace for you, sucker. You want to live like that? He can't because He would go against His Word. Because He gave His Word that He put all of my junk and all of your junk on Jesus. So if Jesus took it, then it's paid for. Now, if you wander through life and you keep doing a bunch of stupid stuff, say, yeah, yeah, so like, what happens? Well, you and God might be cool, but you and the IRS isn't. You and the bank aren't. You and the police aren't. You and your parents aren't. You're going to have no friends, no family, no marriage, no romance, no sex life, no career, no future, no nothing. Why? Because all of those incredibly brilliant, smart things to do are about how to build a great life. So the favor of God's giving you the ability to get rid of that addiction, giving you the ability to walk in joy, giving you the ability that when you marry that man, that is one blessed dude. Why? Because you're walking into that marriage and you're a child of the king. That woman is so blessed because you walk into her life. I did a series for singles a few years ago. Yeah, what was it called now? Anyway, the, the title meant becoming a blessing and not a curse to the person you marry. People just think, I'm in love. Cool. You love puppies? You love cheese, you love coffee, and I love you too. It takes more than a feeling commitment, the presence of God, the flow of God, and relationships are restored. The Bible says if the same spirit that raised Christ's body three days dead, rotting, raised it to life, that same spirit, will bring life to your mortal body. It's the harmony of grace and faith. So while my time is done, so let me just give you a finishing punchline here for a minute. So then, Pastor, what do I do? Well, I'm going to say something, and you might need to get this or listen to this over and over. In the Old Testament, their faith was in what God said to them an angel would appear to moses the angel would appear to joshua that god would tell them what to do and they had faith in what god said to them when jesus came along and they had faith in the covenant of abraham abraham had a covenant with god all of his descendants uh followed and obeyed that covenant and then in the new testament matthew mark luke and john when jesus walked the planet they had faith in the words of jesus and they had faith in jesus so when jesus said to peter Step out of the boat. Peter stepped out of the boat, and he walked on the water. till he got his eyes off Jesus and on the storm. Once Jesus died and went to hell in your place and took the curse and took your sins, your sicknesses, he took depression, he took guilt, he took shame, whatever is plaguing you and harassing you because of wrong decisions you've made that you just can't get out of your head or out of your heart. Jesus took that too. And when He arose again, He gave you new life. So what you believe in now today is in the finished work of Jesus. Whenever a sickness raises its head in your body, Jesus took that because God knew all sicknesses that would plague you. He knew what would harass you, and He put it on Jesus. So when you say, well, it's just not God's time, wrong, eh. Today is the day of salvation. And 2,000 years ago, the healing was paid for. And 2,000 years ago, it was a done deal. We need to understand grace. And as you stay in God's Word, faith will rise. 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3, 4, and 5 says, if you want to see grace or if you want power multiplied in your life, spend time in God's Word, focused on Jesus and what He did. Which is, you know, and as you do, and you see what Jesus did, every time the enemy reminds you of a sin, you kind of go, "Well, oh, okay, Jesus took that. When you get up in the morning and you feel shame because someone brought up a past thing you've done, you go, well, Jesus took my shame too, so I'm not gonna, if he had to deal with it, I'm not gonna deal with that. And you learn that this exchange took place, that Jesus took everything negative, and he passed on to you his life filled with joy and peace and righteousness and blessing. The way the enemy harasses every one of us is he will camp on your worst sin that you feel is the worst thing you've done. He'll camp on that. Or he'll get somebody else to camp on it make you feel guilty and awful and ashamed, to make you get up and never seem to smile or have joy because you feel judged by everyone else. But when God, when you begin to focus on God and you grow in your faith, because faith cometh by hearing and knowing the Word of God, and you focus it on the grace of God, this miracle, this thing you could never do on your own, you couldn't get rid of the shame, been there for 10 years. You couldn't get rid of the fear that has haunted you because of something. Whatever it is, the power of God comes in. You know, it's actually a small thing to heal someone's body. Often, it's the guilt and the shame and the condemnation that people feel on the inside of them that they'll take to their graves. And that, by the way, will make you sicker than a dog. The Bible says that it's the soul. It's, he says, I wish above all things that you prosper and be healthy as your soul, your mind and emotions, as it prospers. So as, as long as the enemy can keep you in shame and guilt, unforgiveness, anger, offense, okay, he'll take you out early because all of those things bring in sickness and disease. They just, our bodies just can't be healthy when your stomach's in a knot and your body is coursing with all these chemicals that come from shame and stress, et cetera. You're just going to get sick. And so to know Jesus and to follow in his principles, that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead begins to come in that knot in your stomach. It just starts to release that band around your head that you wake up and go to bed with every night. That, that, that you know that, that You can't even explain how you feel to some people. It just begins to disintegrate under the presence of God. That's the marriage. That's the harmony of grace and faith. When you begin to believe in the finished work of Jesus, His grace, His ability coming to you as a Favor. Should I tell you one more story? I'm past time. You okay? This will really help you. I was invited to the bedside of a man that was given 24 hours to live here in Winnipeg and a wonderful Christian man, family, kids. And his lawyer called me <laughs> and asked me if I'd come pray for him. Didn't know this family. So I came to the hospital and was told that. They don't even know what's wrong with him. They were trying to ship him out to the Mayo Clinic uh, for the experts to see him, but he was going down so fast that he wouldn't even make the trip. So I walked into the room, and I had brought in a board member from our church with me, and his lawyer was there, his wife was there, and he's laying on the bed. And uh, from what I understood in the brief time that I spent, a wonderful man, wonderful man, believer, And so his wife told me the story. Everything's shutting down. Every organ is shutting down. And I walked over and he, this is, he couldn't even talk. He was so tired. He would just kind of whisper, just, hi. Ah, yeah. Thank you. And, uh, so I just taught him a little bit because I find that Christians are the worst at not knowing the truth about healing. So I taught him about grace and faith. So I tried to get him to marry them in his heart so I could get him a miracle. And, Sherry, he goes, he's nodding, yes, yes. And, and I said, I'm going to pray for you. And he, goes, and he could only whisper, so I, 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 he would just be like, please do, please do. And uh, he'd go to lift his hand, like if his nose was a cheek, and it would, he would drag it along the top of his body like this slowly. And you could just see him. There was just no life left in this man. So the lawyers back there, board members back there, Wife is standing by the bed. He's laying in bed. He's going to die today. I walked over to him, and I sat on the edge of his bed. Just put my hand on his chest. And as soon as I put my hand on his chest, he started to try to ramp himself up to to make something happen, to make something happen. I said, stop and stop, you don't need to work yourself up. You need to work emotions up. You don't need to do anything. Do you believe? You see what I said about Jesus? It's a gift. It's just in here. You just need to believe, that's it. I believe. Good. And be quiet. You can just quietly thank God, but don't try to force something out or make it happen. I laid my hands on him and I just said, in the name of Jesus. I stand in agreement with my brother and I speak life into this body. As soon as I did that, he turns his head on the bed, looks at his wife, and he reaches up like this and he grabs her hand and he pulls himself to a sitting position on the bed. So he's sitting on the edge of the bed and he says, I feel good. She says, you look good. He says, "I I need to stand. So he grabbed his, he had an IV pole. And back then there, just one skinny pole and an IV hanging off it. Grabs his IV pole with two hands, pulls over between his legs, and he starts walking himself up his IV pole to stand to his feet. And he said, I feel like standing. His wife says, do it. So now he's standing, and he's weaving back and forth like this. He's starting to breathe, and he goes, I feel good. She goes, you look good. I want to dance. She goes, do it. Problem, he was wearing a blue gown. Anybody know anything about blue gowns? <laughs> so he's pushing this IV pole in front of his lawyer, a board member, and his wife, and he just started walking around completely <laughs> healed by God. Now, no one could deny that mirror because you got your lawyer present and the board members present and his wife and the doctors didn't know what to do because everything worked out. And, and he went home. But he had believed and had multiple people pray for him. He tried all of these things. It just went down, 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 down. And all I did was help him marry what he believed with the grace of God. This harmonizing of faith and grace causes a flow of miracles to take place. And I want to challenge you. I don't know what you're looking for or what's going on in your life. But as you continue to come out and learn about these two gorgeous words, the power of growing your faith, you can multiply this grace. And As you learn about this Jesus, the reason we read and we spend time worshiping, etc., is because when this thing happens in your heart, it's... Whew, and, the, and Jesus said to everybody, Jesus never said to anybody, my faith made you whole. In fact, I believe of the 17 times we have individual miracles in the Bible, he said, and, and he doesn't say this to every one of them, but the majority of them, and the rest are under, he said, go your way, your faith hath made you whole. And we think he means you really raised your faith up to a really high, you didn't have enough faith. Now that's a big mistake. Everyone's got the same measure. It was a marriage of faith and grace. Father, I just pray today that every person here that you would touch them. Every believer, Father, would just get excited about this life of miracles and the power of God. And Father, for those who don't know you, let today be the day. Every head bowed for just a moment. I'm going to close my message down with a powerful prayer. It's the prayer that I prayed years ago when I gave my life to Christ. A number of people in this room have done that, and a number haven't. But today, if you were to say to me, Leon, I'm not sure and I need to give my life to this Jesus, then I'm going to lead everybody in the prayer. I'm going to ask everybody, all of us. We're going to pray it out loud with them, these amazing folks. But for those who would say, please include me. Today, I'm getting right with God. Would just you folks open your eyes and across the auditorium, just give me a wave and say, please include me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Others, thank you. Thank you. Anyone else, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. you. Praise Jesus. Those watching in the parking lot, And just god knows your heart those joining us around the world just pray this prayer and let's all pray with these amazing folks the prayer goes like this just say dear god thank you for sending jesus who died in my place took my sin the punishment the curse and he went to hell in my place so i could be in your family and be guaranteed heaven. So Jesus, come into my heart. From today and on, I'm following you as Lord and Savior, in Jesus' name, amen. Welcome to the family of God. That's how powerful that is. Now, what you just did isn't an emotional thing, it's a legal thing. God couldn't get involved in your life till you asked him. He will never force himself. Even you're growing in this relationship. He'll never make you, force you. You need to continue to just grow and pursue in in the things of God. And I've never been sorry for what he's done. And as you come to church, messages like this will change your life as you hear truth. And when you hear truth, you know what happens when you hear truth? You kind of just go, Oh, that's too good to be true. That's awesome. Yeah, I that, that is a witness in your heart to truth. And so keep coming. We'd love to have you. Bring out anybody you want to. Springs is a church that just says, hey, we want to be a blessing to people. And we're all searching and we're all growing in the things of God.